0: International Headquarters of the Sword of the Lord here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. This is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. Well, it's Monday, dear friends, and I bring you greetings here from Sword Headquarters, and uh, we're certainly delighted that you've joined us today. We look forward to getting together here five days a week on this station, and uh, every day we try to do some things that will be a help and a blessing to you. Uh, Today we're going to start looking at some of the precious promises that are found in the Bible. In fact, we're going to do several days of those precious promises and build around the verse in Second Peter chapter 1 that says, "...whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust." So he draws the distinction between the way of the world and the Lord's way. He shows that the old nature heads us wrong, the new nature heads us right, and all of that new nature is built upon the very precious promises that God has made to us all along the way. And today, we're going to look at the promise of a Savior, and that promise is found first in the book of Genesis. Genesis. Now I know we're familiar with all of those uh, statements that are made in the New Testament, and we will look at some of those before we get this series completed, but all the way back to Genesis, chapter number three and verse fifteen, we have the very first promise of the Savior. And you'll remember, perhaps, that Genesis chapter three is that chapter where that uh, things got all fouled up in the Garden of Eden. God made man, God made woman, And he placed them in a beautiful garden. We read about their creation in chapters 1 and 2 as the Lord laid out all of the creation of the earth and the creation of uh, night and day and all of the things that he did. And then he comes to take this third chapter in describing how that the old devil, here called the serpent, he uh, really entered into the picture and he began to entice Eve and then Adam And verse 2 talks about the place where he will be born. He had given them one prohibition, one statement the Lord had made that was a negative statement, and he told them, you can enjoy all of the garden. You have access to everything here except one thing, and that is that one special tree that he placed in the middle of the garden, and he just said to them, you can eat of everything, but you can't eat of that particular tree. Well, they listened to Satan. He enticed them. He said, ah, you go ahead and do it. It's not going to matter. The Lord knows he's holding something back from you. And if you go eat of that, then you'll be really on a plane with him. You'll be as knowledgeable as he is and all of that. And of course, it was all lies. It was all deception. It was all really misstating the case. And when Eve did exactly what Satan enticed her to do, and then uh, she led Adam into that. And of course, the result of that was that uh, they were ultimately expelled from the garden. And this is where sin originated, this is where the whole sin nature developed. And has been passed on now from one generation to the other. And you say, what a mess. I mean, they had every opportunity. They had everything going for them. And yet the Lord gave them a will. He gave them a free will. And that free will got exercised in the wrong direction. And as a result of exercising their free will, they are in jeopardy that they cannot solve. And so the Lord says, by way of promise, here is that first promise of a Savior. Verse 15, he says, I will put enmity, talking to the serpent, he said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It, that is the seed of the woman, shall bruise thy head, that is the head of the serpent, and thou, talking about the serpent, shall bruise the heel of the uh, seed of the woman. I know that's language that's not entirely specific, but yet it is. It lays it out pretty clearly when you understand what he's talking about. He simply says that the woman will produce offspring, and among that offspring there will be one who will bruise the head of Satan. That is, he'll put Satan out of business ultimately. And whenever Satan does his damage to the offspring of the woman, it'll only be bruising him. It'll not be killing him. It'll not be putting him out of business. It'll be discomforting. It'll be uh, maybe hurtful, but it will not be fatal. And so that all is laid out here in this verse. And when we have a good look at this and understand exactly what it is that he's talking about, he's just simply saying, Satan, you're not going to win this thing you're not going to overcome the human race so that everybody is a victim to the place where that their sin takes them down into hell. It's just not going to happen. Now, all of this is made very clear because God makes the promise that there will come someone from the seed of the woman, from the offspring of the woman, and that will be the means whereby that this whole issue of sin is dealt with. So, We come to a lot of passages in the Bible, and we find things being laid out very clearly about Jesus being the Messiah, that is, the Christ. Now, the word Messiah is a Hebrew word. The word Christ is a Greek word, but they mean exactly the same. So if you say Jesus the Messiah, or if you say Jesus the Christ, you're saying exactly the same thing. And in the Old Testament, Jesus is referred to as a branch. He's referred to in the Bible as a cornerstone. He's referred to as a messenger. He's referred to as the beloved son. He's called the son of man as well as the son of God. He's the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the faithful witness, the first begotten from the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. I mean, all of those things are said about the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is, in fact, the Savior that God has promised to us, and he, in fact, did, of course, go ahead in many Old Testament passages to lay out the truth about this. You may remember that in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, the prophecy is this, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. We know that word Emmanuel means God with us. That is, this son that is to be born, to be born of a virgin, not born in the typical ordinary way where that there's a man and woman involved, but this woman will not have known a man. And she will give birth to a son that's conceived of the Holy Ghost. We'll learn that later in the New Testament. And then uh, that son is, in fact, God. He is God with us. And here again, we have the promise of the Messiah. We have the promise of the Christ, who is to be the Savior. If you turn over to chapter 9 of Isaiah, in verse 6, it says, "...for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, The prince of peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So this is going to be a supernatural work. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This will be a supernatural event, and it, of course, is. Whenever you talk about a virgin birth, you talk about the Savior coming and living a sinless life, you talk about him being crucified on the cross, dying there and then resurrecting from the grave three days and three nights later, all of that, I'm telling you, it is an act of God. It is something that is beyond the natural. It is supernatural, and all of it, because God is putting in place the plan that will enable every single one of us to deal with our sin nature and get off the hook in the sense that we will no longer be liable for our sins, The Lord himself will bear the burden of that, and he will rescue us. He will save us because he has paid the price in his death and resurrection, and that is the good news. That's why when we talk about the gospel, what are we talking about? We're talking about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior that the Lord promised in all of those years through the Old Testament, and ultimately we get to the New Testament And what do we have? We have the birth of the Lord Jesus. And listen, we are very, very thankful that he did indeed come for us and made arrangements so that we could be birthed into the family of God so that we could get our sin debt taken care of. Uh, One other passage that I'll point to here that is also very much a messianic passage. It is a messianic prophecy, and that is in Micah, again, in the Old Testament, chapter number 5 and verse 4 talks about the place where he'll be born. Everybody assumed that the Messiah would be born in Jerusalem, but God said, no, it's going to be in Bethlehem. And here it is, Micah 5, 2. The Lord says, but thou Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. So it's not only giving us the details of the place of his birth, but it's telling us that this is going to be one who really did not originate in Bethlehem. He really was born in human flesh there. But he existed from the everlasting eons of eternity's past. He, because he's God the Son, he has always existed. And thus, when he was made incarnate, that is in flesh, and birthed in Bethlehem, all of that is really laid out here in the Bible so very, very clearly for us. Now, let me just make clear, what's this about? Well, we have a promise of a Savior. We talk about the Christ coming. We talk about the Messiah coming that is the promise of a Savior. Those promises were made first to the Jews, but obviously that promise has passed down to every single living, breathing human being on the planet, and we are, in fact, whether Jew or Gentile, and whether you're red, yellow, black, brown, or white, those promises that God has made about a Savior are promises that are affordable to you, they are available to you, And they are so because God has made all the arrangement that was needed to be made. You and I could never have arranged a Savior. We could never have come up with the kind of a plan that is so generous and so merciful that sinful creatures like we all are that we could be really put in right relationship with God and get things in place so that whenever we die, we don't have to go into a time of punishment. We don't have to go into a place of punishment. We don't have to go to hell. We indeed can go to heaven because we have a Savior. And I'm telling you, when I look back all the way to the opening chapters of Genesis and find God saying, I'm going to do it for you, I'm telling you, it is so encouraging. I mean, it is so uplifting to just understand how much God loves us. And that's why when you read passages like John 3.16 that says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All of that, dear friends, because of a Savior that God promised many thousands of years ago, way back there at the time of creation. And I'm telling you, all of that is a precious promise, an exceeding great and precious promise that you and I can depend on. Well, tomorrow we're going to look at another one of these great promises from the Old Testament and we're going to do several of these as we work through the month here. And I trust it'll be helping a blessing to you. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you. And I hope that you'll sit down and write me a note. Let me know that you hear the broadcast. And if it's being a blessing to you, write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith at PO Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Well, dear friends, till tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day and goodbye for now.